Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to meet you because this is how we meet each other nowadays. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and what you're passionate about? Uh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, in this virtual world that we live in, I think I, I bring a lot of reality to uh, particularly tech and innovation and the, and the places that we want to go. Um, technology and innovation and, and working with entrepreneurs and futurists has been a passion as well as an avocation. So I, I'm really lucky that I get paid to do something really fun, which is a lot of times kind of like going to a science fair or peeking behind, you know, the next big gadget, you know, um, elevator. Uh, and so my passion is working with people that are Imagineers and futurists, whether it be you know, autonomous cars, artificial intelligence, robotics. Uh, these are things I've been working on for the last, not just five or 10 years. And, and when the consumer sees it fairly late in the market, I'm oftentimes in front of these things 15, 20 years uh, in advance. Uh, Phenomenal. Which is, that's which that's is great. Very exciting. That sounds like a dream job. How did you get this job? <laughs> I would yeah. love this job. <laughs> well, I was a I was a reporter when I first got out of college. So I like to say that I actually uh, my number two pencil was pretty sharpened by the time I was uh, thirteen. My my family owned a publishing uh, business and a whole array of of newspapers, and so I used to uh, trail behind one of my uncles, and I would go out and I would. Uh, do you know do a little bit of news uh, reporting and so by the time I got into high school I was the editor-in-chief of school paper but I was also working nice. for community papers and then that took me you know to study journalism and eventually get you know be a full-time reporter with I was with Reuters I was with Washington Post and BBC and that took me on a lot of tours I used to call it my tour of duties which is very similar to military I get mm -hmm. dispatched or, dis or deployed. I didn't have a news desk job, so I was constantly on the road. And uh, I took all that knowledge and information and I came back to the Silicon Valley, which is where I grew up, um, only trying to leave it. And then I realized what a blessing it was for me to actually be raised and nurtured and around the intersection of technology and agriculture um, simultaneously and now it's even more important because I work with a lot of ag tech companies mm. and so it's come to full full circle fantastic I love it well this is this is the heart of innovation right this is where all the cutting-edge stuff happens I mean th even though you keep hearing people saying oh this innovation is happening over here over here we're still kind of far ahead of almost everywhere else I yeah, find. absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I was uh, speaking to a farmer in the Midwest a few weeks ago, and he says, you know, we're, we're so far uh, apart from the Silicon Valley to the Midwest. And I said, in terms of advancements in technology, farmers are trying to find new ways to create new economic, uh, you know, uh, 
return on investment, operation efficiency, um, be able to better their supply chain. They, they make money at the end of the day. And so we had a really interesting conversation how I grew up in 4-H and I grew up in agriculture, but at the same time, within arm's length of technology. And what's happening is these uh, pockets of, you know, Livermore, California, the, the Central Valley, um, going up to Napa, farmer, California farmers are really leading the way in how uh, technology is being applied to old school jobs like agriculture. And mm -hmm. agriculture is actually all about sustainability. It's about responsibility. It's uh, looking at climate change. The, the Farmer's Almanac, I wish somebody would come up with the Farmer's Almanac like 3.0. We all talk mm -hmm. about the metaverse. We need like the new farmer's version of the metaverse. Right, right. Well, I mean, I'm assuming technology have has, have they been able to sort of embrace new technology, most farmers? Because I'm assuming that really increases productivity and does a lot of great things. It depends on the words that are being used. So mm -hmm. in, in the West Coast in California, and I'd say the... Uh, agricultural arena, you know, words like sustainability uh, make a lot of sense. So you take that to a fifth generation wheat farmer uh, in or corn in Iowa or any of the, you know, the the traditional agricultural states that, that's not growing, growing uh, produce and, and, uh, and, and vineyards. Um, sustainability is almost like a foreign word to them. Uh, but mm -hmm. they do understand climate change. They do understand that they need to diversify and they need to make money. Uh, so that we, we can't always take our marketing nomenclature and apply it to a market that doesn't, you know, isn't uh, necessarily familiar with those terms. And I call that ego engineering <laughs> versus <laughs> innovation. And so if we mm -hmm. take innovation and we apply it to being a problem solving or a cause driven um, you know, purposeful product, then I think the conversation changes. If we engineer our marketing and bringing products to market and our storytelling, and it's so omnipotent and so, um, you know, me too focused and versus, you know, focusing on the importance of being creation versus the impact and, and the why it matters. I think that's oftentimes the danger, you know, with, with marketing. Um, and, and that's a little bit of my job is policing that and making sure that, that the benefits and the, the, you know, the real need is not lost in the process. Very cool. Very cool. So you, you were mentioning earlier that sometimes you have to deal with uh, things that are like 10, 15 years out. I mean, can you describe some of those things that are sort of hitting the market today and when you first heard about them? Yeah, you know, it's funny because years ago, I remember uh, sitting in on a, on a corporate presentation at a, a major tech company, that, and they're no longer, but you might remember the Palm uh, product, so 3Com. Oh, yeah, uh, I love those. I had yeah. I had an original Palm Pilot. I had a Trio, 3, Trio 650. I, I love those. Yeah, before the before BlackBerry, right? There was Palm, and yeah. everyone liked BlackBerry. But um, I I was sitting on a presentation of the, the company, and this the founder and, and the co-founder and CEO, Dr. Bob Metcalf, who is the inventor of Ethernet, which we all use daily, right? Uh, he was talking about this future without highways and roads, and everything he was describing was one part internet, one part in the, uh, the the hyperloop, and one part the autonomous cars. And he had this vision, and I remember going back and listening to that, and, and in my head because I it was so pungent to me. But it was very much like a Ray Bradbury, you know, type mm. of you know reading a, a book and. 
And and then over time, I remember, you know, the internet, we went from networking boom to the internet boom. And I was in that, that was really when my career was taking off and the internet digital age was happening and Al Gore created the internet, but you realize Al Gore didn't actually create it. He just explained it better than most people. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and then it just kept e evolving. But autonomous cars, I think, are one that I was introduced to very early on. But the autonomous car that we know as consumers um, was actually an autonomous uh, capability that was being used more in a commercial grade. So it mm -hmm. was something that was being used on, on for uh, you know, on, on corporate campuses and not for public public consumption. And my first witness of seeing that was probably 1995, uh, which is well before, wow. you know, Tesla came out to market, right? And so there's, it, because I'm in the Silicon Valley and I'm amongst some of these great think tank groups that are, uh, you know, Institute of the Future, and then there's, you know, the SETI group, and, and there's just so many different interesting um, incubators and then we have solve for x you know came a little later on and i'm still amazed when i see an autonomous car and i was in palo alto california recently and i was walking down university avenue and new york oh, college and and all of a sudden i had to jump back because the autonomous car came flying by me and it didn't stop and i oh my god no like and, and i clearly had the right of way <laughs> oh jeez some pro some programmer is going to be whipped for that. That's not yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, the good. same thing happened to me in Mountain View. I was sitting outside with a bunch of friends having a drink, and we look over, and there's a there's a truck sitting there, and there's no driver right at at the stop sign, and then it goes through, and I'm like, whoa, what did we just see? I just it, it was so bizarre to see something like that. I mean, obviously only in Silicon Valley, right? I mean, where else are you going to see something like that? Yeah, you're not going to see that in, in uh, Iowa, probably. But I think one of the things that's great about autonomous uh, technology, and if you look at the supply chain and trucking and, and the things that kind of went, you know, got frozen, so to speak, or uh, and, and were impacted during the pandemic, with autonomous uh, trucking and, and freight type services, we can still yep. deliver. We can still meet schedules. We can actually st I mean, ensure that hospitals are getting their supplies that communities are getting you know their you know the food and accessibility to different things uh and so i think there are applications where autonomous makes total sense i personally a little bit of a control freak i like my hands <laughs> on the wheel and i i fly i i'm also a private pilot so mm -hmm. i kind of an old school um i like piston engines and i like being able to know that i have to tell the plane what to do so in terms of the electrification of transportation and and thinking greener and leaner and as it relates to agriculture as it relates to you know supply chain and for us just to be more conscious as individual you know commuters or or, or drivers that excites me because i do think the next generation will probably benefit from that even more so than we have and uh, and i think about you know how we go from the idea of electrification electric vehicles aren't new but if you go back and look historically when they first were presented uh we probably weren't really paying attention because it was too futuristic and now it's conversational and topical and you know people are adopting and i i go under the scenario of you know do we adapt or do we adopt and i think oftentimes i'm a late adopter 
I wait for, you know, when, it, when I had my Nokia phone that I didn't want to give up. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> had one Nokia. too. <laughs> didn't want to give up a Nokia phone because it was cute and red. And then eventually it's like, wow, okay, there's this thing called, you know, Blackberry and that's kind of cool. And then and eventually it was like, okay, I guess I'll sell out and get my iPhone, uh, which I, you know, really appreciate because in being in communications, I have some of the best content and digital things right in the palm of my hand. And when I first started out as a journalist, I was the first one in the newsroom with a computer. Mm-hmm. Nobody else had one. Wow. I was like, Get, let's let the new kid on the block have the computer. And now you go into a newsroom, well, they're going to be a lot smaller in general, but everything is, is digitized and everything is, you know, The newsroom connected. is all around us. The newsroom is wherever you happen to be, right? Exactly. I mean, it's almost, it's, 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 atom, it's atomic now. It's all little, little bits everywhere. But it's interesting what you should mention earlier about science fiction is because I think that's the best the best visions actually do come out of really good hard sci-fi I find it's like that's one of the this one shortcut to what's happening next just look at some really good hardcore sci-fi they've figured it out right we just have to yeah. how to see how we get to that vision it's kind of like if you go back to Star Trek it's like a lot of people were were inspired to actually create was was being presented in in that program right it's like where did the Star Trek uh, phones come from you know the flip phones flip phones probably came from that original vision right so that's where a lot of this stuff came from yeah well you think about it space pioneering uh, now versus where we you know we we started so when i was a kid i mean we would talk about you know the emissions and to to the moon uh for months in advance before they even happened and it was the countdown literally you everyone just got around the tv and now it's like oh wait a minute someone just went into space today and it, it, it seems almost commonplace that it, not that i expect it but it's still it's become so advanced and so um accessible much more accessible and these programs going from uh, from private to you know more public sector i'm personally excited about I would love to go to space. I don't need to go to Mars. I don't need to go to any other specific planet, but I would just like to have the personal experience um, as, yeah. a, as a pilot to experience what does that feel like? And I think the imagery, I love watching the, the NASA um, updates every day. The imagery that we get from the satellites and from the various missions are just amazing to me. But what I think is even more important is what we can learn, not just necessarily the exploration, but groups like the Center for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, the SETI group, I think what they do is fascinating in terms of looking at how can we actually improve our agriculture? How can we actually include, you know, uh, you know um, better improve our, our, um, you know, the, our carbon footprint and things that they learn from gathering and collecting information from other planets and from even the ocean and other places in, on the earth that we haven't even used rightfully yet for improving how we live and, uh, and that's, that's the same group that brought us that that really funky looking crab a few years ago that we didn't know about and they found i think it was beetles living in bamboo assemblies and different things that we just don't even think about uh-huh. and so i still think in the in the when you were the word you know dis- discovery the, the the discovery and the curiosity um I think we still have a lot of things to explore and that's, you know, goes back to the mindset of a, a futurist and, and, and a, an idea shaper and maker is that they're imagining that anything is possible. 
And I like to live in that in that scenario. And I think the world needs a nice dose of this right now is that there's anything is possible. And so if we actually imagine the best outtake, best case scenario, not the worst case scenario, technology can actually be used as a facilitator. In the wrong hands, it can actually be very destructive. And, and, and so I, I mentioned the number two pencil. Number two pencil is not a weapon. It's a really great tool. You know, I remember as a kid being told not to run with my pencil. So I know that it could be. <laughs> it's, especially if it's sharp, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, actually, it was interesting, some of the things you touched on there. I, I really want to know, how did SETI find these things internally? I mean, aren't they looking outwards? Aren't they looking to the rest of the universe? How do, how yeah, do they find these... Know, uh, I, I want to spend some time with him. In fact, I met the president recently and we had a really interesting chat. Uh, he had 100 plus distinguished scientists that are working steadfast in these different discoveries. And uh, it's fascinating to me because they are looking not at the obvious, they're looking at the unobvious. And so they do a lot of research and explorations. They have, you know, college organizations and research groups that work alongside with them. But what just it fascinated me in my conversation with, with him was how vast the group was. I didn't realize that they were so, um, they had, you know, grown so much. I was thinking it was a couple of, you know, maybe a dozen, you know, scientists and that it was hundreds mm -hmm. plus, you know, distinguished scientists. And I think that type of research uh, is really important. Now, what comes out of any of that research could be the, you know, thinking about the future and the innovations that you and I might adopt. And you mentioned the phone and, and the phone in space. Well, there could be some medical advancement that is created at, based on some research. Um, there could be, you know, I, lately I've been talking to a lot of, um, I'm gonna call them food scientists, but mm. people that are actually flipping the different food industries on its head. So animal uh, supply, food supply chain, and wanting it to be green and plant-based and taking the animals out of the animal supply chain. Uh, uh, plant-based cheese, um, and, you know, so you think about the Impossible Burger, I mean, uh, it, that has been a huge phenomenon and it hit, but that started as an idea, which became like an, literally the impossible that became very possible. And so I think there's a lot of markets that are recalibrating themselves, the food industry, agriculture industry, I think uh, advancements in, in healthcare and pharma. Um, I recently uh, worked with a, with a, a doctor who is a full-time orthopedic surgeon, but I don't know how he manages to have the time plus six kids, but he also creates medical grade products on a Whoa. continuous basis. And he brought a UV, a low grade UV light product that helps you disinfect and sanitize for and zap 99.9% .9 of the ugly pathogens and, and bacteria and things that we've all been very conscious of the last couple of years. And to me, it was such a simple idea. I mean, he took what he was using as a doctor and then consumerized it so that people like you and I can simply download an app and use this device, swipe our computer, our uh, restaurant table, or our airport tray, wherever we may, may be in the classroom, and made it accessible to people like us. And I think that's the, the beauty of the advancement in science and research is uh, 
we need to support those types of research centers and, and, and groups. Um, yesterday, I spoke to a professor at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo who is focused on ethics and technology. And I was just mm -hmm. intrigued by her knowledge and understanding of not just the user experience, engagement and relationship that we have at products, but whether or not the product should do or perform what it's been intended to do. Again, mm -hmm. in the right hand, it can be a really powerful tool. In the wrong hand, it could actually be something that could change us socially, dynamically, you know. And so in a world of values-driven equity and inclusion culture that we're now m much more uh, conscious of, and the Zoomers are going to force the, the boomers, millennials, the X's, everyone forgets about the X's. Um, the the X's I know. Right? <laughs> I'm like, an X, and it's like, just whoop, just like right I know, over. Oh, like what, what happened to us? <laughs> You know, so but the but it's that the cultural ecosystem and I think the end user expectation. It's funny because on my podcast lately, I've kind of checked the boxes how many Gen Xs and I have been I've interviewed, and that was interesting. And they all talk about their Game Boys and you know and their and the video games and and all those things. And then you get to the Zoomers, and the Zoomers are like, they they're actually doing really very carefully curated thoughtful things they mm -hmm. care about the earth they care about social consciousness they're very much like their grandparents the boomers and you know that are much more you know peace love and understanding and i and i think that's really interesting and will probably shape how we live and work in the future they might not want alexa in their living room they might want to just say you know what I don't want to be digitally connected to the world. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I had that. I had that same same conversation with a Zoomer once because I, I have this uh, thing about agency. It's like I I wish that a lot of things that I had to do I didn't have to do anymore. That the that software could just take it off my back and just do it for me. And I was describing how you know wouldn't it be great if all the hundreds of little things that you have to do during the course of a day could just be taken care of by automation? Because a lot of times you know our systems around us know kind of what needs to be done. And she was saying, oh, no, 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 I don't want that. I want agency. I want to control all this stuff. I want to make sure that I, you know, I'm doing this or I know what's happening. And I'm like, it was like a total generational gap there where I'm going, I don't want to, I want to do less. And she's saying, I want to do more. And I thought that, that's such a, such a flip. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I've seen with my, I've had a PR agency the last 20 years and the progression of kind of work office styles. Uh, I'm the type of person that wants to be highly collaborative, engaging and have meetings and conference rooms. I'm not, I don't feel highly collaborative, engaging if we're all wearing a different headset and we're on a dashboard and we're all having a virtual meeting, but we're sitting right next to each other. That just doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> and that, and That's that fun when, you, goes, when everyone's at a laptop at, at your... your... <laughs> And that kind of takes you into this vortex of kind of like the video augmented world, right? Is that you can tune out, but be connected. And it's, I, I'm very situationally aware of my surroundings. And, you know, that's just one of the, the skills that you learn even more when you're a pilot. And I take that same sensitivity and situational awareness and apply it into other things. And so I think when it comes to adopting technology and you know, people, 
should look for things that work for their lifestyle and not that something that, you know, a big brand or an individual imposed on them. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that if I were to give my daughter a really great ear, you know, earphone or earbud set, she would be enthusiastically happy. If I were to right. give that same set to my son, he would probably regift it just because, <laughs> <laughs> and they're not that, they're only 14 months apart. It's just, yep. they're, 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 acceptance and their adoption of things are very different yeah. she was the, she was the gamer mm-hmm. she was the one that was eh, disconnected yeah i have a, wow. i have another i have a another kind of a joke about that is uh she's studying sociology and neuroscience together she wants to be very aware of the impact of things and people in society just uh, i think it was really you know an interesting approach she wants to save the world hmm. my son on the other hand wants to save 30 cent 30 percent on the next designer cell <laughs> but they're the same generation so interesting I think, so i think with that said where i was going with that is not a, it's not a one-size-fits-all you know technology world that we live in and i rather like you know, on the weekends, disconnecting, unplugging, whatever you want to call it, recalibrating is, you know, is a word that I like. Um, but I was just in uh, Las Vegas, for the CES 2022, and there were some amazing things that were on display, pheasant under glass that won awards this year that I don't think the world really even saw because it was such a reduced, uh, you know, presence show. But I think things that are advancements that are happening in, you know, personal health care and in pet uh, care, mobility, um, things that, you know, will not put us in the Wally-esque world that we might see in the movie Wally, but are actually things that will help with mobility and with health and longevity. And I think if we look at marketplaces, you know, like the Impossible Burger, you know, is that that's the food category, but there's also hopefully some health and other components to, you know, living a longer life that fits into that, into that advancement of that technology as well. Yeah, I mean, see, it's funny you should mention CES because it's totally, it totally slipped my mind this year. And I used to follow it like crazy. (laughs) And now it feels like, it, what, what happened? And that's where you usually see most of the cool stuff. Did, did you see anything really, really weird or cool or cutting edge that you want to you want to talk about? Yeah. You know, I was with a, a, a electric uh, high performance electric motorcycle company. I work with out of Canada called Damon Motors, an amazing company and, and, and team. But they're created basically the Ducati in the EV category. Uh, so a lot of enthusiasm, excitement about traditionalists wanting to convert, you know, to electric. Um, uh, we also work with an electric tractor company. So we were there uh, challenging, you know, John Deere and, you know, mm-hmm. and who is a very Wow, that must have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I also saw a lot of, you know, in the personal health uh, market and things that were for infant care uh, that were for no neurological advancements but really meant for reducing ptsd and anxiety and things like that which the world has gone through a lot so things that were for you know early primary care all the way to elder care uh there was 
Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of booth activity, but there was definitely in their award-winning showcase area, um, you know, products that were were prime. Um, one of the uh, by being there, I was able to you know see, you know, there was still a, a pretty big European contingency, and one of the companies that I think to watch is um, based out of the Ukraine. Um, called hmm. Delfast. Del they, they're formerly a courier company to deliver goods. And then they realized that by building the high performance bicycles that they needed to be effective couriers, the bike itself became their market. And wow, so they're cool. building between the United States and Ukraine. And a uh, fabulous um, story of just going from recalibrating, you know, the need. Um, and, and changing the supply chain. And so what I get most excited about with technology is, oh, the places we can go or, or the place mm -hmm. or the things that we can do, right? And I, I just look at, you know, uh, advancements as we have, we all, you know, our phones and our keyboards have just become commonplace. But I remember re working with the word processor and I remember learning to type with a typewriter. I, I have a niece who actually is gone reverse reverse engineering, and she has one of my old typewriters, and wow. so she's writing her poetry what, using a typewriter because it's quite beautiful and elegant. And I thought, wow, I never thought that somebody would actually want to go back in time because usually we were such in a hurry to go forward in time. Yeah. Well, have you seen those uh, the Hemingway Freewrite, which it looks like a typewriter, but it's actually electronic. Yeah, and I have one of those to do my blog posts on something like that, which uh, the Alpha Neo Smart, which was like a huge thing in classrooms, uh, maybe about ten, fifteen years ago. It was just a keyboard, and it has enough memory, and it has like a four-line LCD screen, so yeah. it's very distract. It's a great distraction-free device, and it's worth it's about fifty bucks on eBay. Free writes about six, seven hundred, four, three, four hundred dollars. It seems like that we're getting this analog digital mishmash or mashup happening so we're taking the best of the past and bringing it into the future and i i love seeing stuff like that happening because it's a great new direction yeah you know i want to tell you one thing you can't replicate though the smell of ink true <laughs> I, I love I used to say, and the I, ink on your fingers when your ribbon like yeah all starts you can't replicate. i love that is one of my favorite smells to this day is like well, i like lavender and i like cinnamon as well but I love the, the smell of ink you know, from the mm -hmm. ribbon cartridge, it'll be a little messy. But I also just remember memories of being with my father and his brothers and running the family printing and publishing business. And I would go through the, the printing uh, arena, we call it, and I would just smell the ink. Now, that's that's just a, a personal kind of fond memory. Most people today won't even know what that, that smell is. Yeah, and exactly. It might, you know, might be a little putrid to <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that too. It's it's interesting you should mention that because I mean I I'm in, I live in Silicon Valley too. I wasn't born here, but it's it's kind of like we we can see sort of like the past, the present, and the future, and we've we've made personal decisions not to put, go too far forward. Like you were talking about, you know, uh, like like for example, everybody I know shop like does all of their shopping online. I still like doing some in, a lot in person. You know, there's there, there's like elements that you know we can see this we can do it but we actually step back and and make the choice not to have, have you noticed that yes in fact during the pandemic i, I had a, my own little 
created my own little ecosystem. I decided that if I couldn't buy it at Ace Hardware, or if I couldn't buy it at my local little Zanato's uh, Italian grocery market, which is a small gourmet market, which is probably about, mm, I'd say maybe 10 blocks from me. If I couldn't get it from either one of those places, I didn't need it. And the supply chain was broken. People, I, I could go online in any app and try to get things delivered, but they had such a backlog, it might take three or four days, right? Amazon was always very agile and out and about. But I just, I just kind of said, you know what? I'm not going to respond to this. I'm actually going to a backyard garden. And if I couldn't get it at the, the hardware store, at the local grocery store, I didn't need it. That lasted me about four months. I also, didn't drive, my, I also didn't drive my car for four months, which literally I would have to go out and start my car and, and just warm it up and just make sure, you know, there weren't, you know, mice living in it or something. But I just felt that I was going to do the opposite, which my daughter it was home from college and DoorDash was her best friend. And I'm just like, no, right. I'm not going there. Not going there. Mm -hmm. I don't need the, the, you know, the 31 flavored uh, bubble tea drinks delivered to my home to make me feel good. <laughs> I still can't believe that people do DoorDash Baskin Robbins. I mean, how does that work? <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, we could yeah. have done that for this call. We could have just had our a little little ice cream chat. We could have had, yeah, it could have been an ice cream social kind of thing. We could have done that. Oh man! So, so in your your profession, you've seen it. You've seen it. How long have you been doing this for now? You said twenty years or so. I've had my PR agency, LMG PR, uh, which means leadership, momentum, and growth, which is what I help mm -hmm. companies do is bring their great ideas to market. Uh, we had our 20 year anniversary in the pandemic and nobody knew. So I can, oh, well, congratulations. I can actually, so I can redo, I can do it again. <laughs> <laughs> you can like, have a I'll second one. <laughs> yeah. I'll celebrate so, in 2022. So must it looking back over the last 20 years, I mean, you, the, the industry must have changed a lot. Like what, like, can you tell me about like good and bad things that have happened to the, to your industry? Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest changes that's happened in, is in technology is the, uh, convergence, right? And so when mm -hmm. I first started my business, I had a lot of cybersecurity, um, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of all the mess that we created, creating this digital uh, world that we're always on world needed some fixing. So that meant data center infrastructure, security, uh, just a lot of, you know, forensics and analytical things needed to, you know, kind of tame the beast. Uh, that eventually moved into um, uh, being able to have transparency and insight into other things. So augmented reality and, um, the, you know, like working with things like the, the Garmin, you know, um, GPS and things like that. We just take for granted now that it's included in your car. We're kind of individual silo type products. And then over time, I started seeing, you know, a lot of this technology, both the artificial intelligence, as well as the security, as well as like the um, the augmented started going into transportation. So that ultimately meant, well, I actually have a vertical market that I can speak to where all this comes together. So one of my sweet spots ultimately became transportation and, and mobility. So anything with two wheels, four wheels, um, which is exciting because that's then eventually the autonomous and everything started coming with that. Uh, the biggest change that I've seen in terms of like communications aspect is that we are an always on 
um, culture and the speed in which we can deliver, uh, you know, content, right? And so the, 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 the means also, the, the other component is that the type. So you mentioned you have a blog and we both have a podcast. So the tools that we use to communicate, I think have gotten much richer and more dynamic. Um, and the knowledge, I think people are thirsty for knowledge and, and they want to gain, you know, insight and content. So I think, you know, blogs and, and podcasts and creating your own original content and whether you're an individual of, you know, business like myself or your fortune 500 company, having control over your IP and your content has become really important. And mm -hmm. I think the other, the other component I'm seeing now more is the creator's market. So in different industries, whether it's uh, music or it's, um, uh, digital assets. So thinking things like um, Getty Images, for example, um, National Geographic content, all this content that's been around and archived and stored in the cloud in different places are now being put into NFTs and being used as a creative opportunity to control that content and and managing the you know the integrity of that content into these these things we now call blockchains. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating. And I was trying to think what futuristic book did did I read or was out there that kind of visualized that component? And I can't think of one, to be honest. I was no, me neither. Was, yeah, where where did that evolve from? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but I think that's one of the, the the cool components is now you can actually go by and and Elon Musk has talked about this himself. With cryptocurrency, you can actually go buy an autonomous electric car. Mm -hmm. That's just almost sounds like a strange statement. Yeah. Ten years ago, I don't think I would have even had a conversation with anyone and said, oh, with my cryptocurrency, with my Ethereum, I actually went and bought myself a $100,000 car. It's so cool. And people are like, what is, you know, and I think that's, <laughs> I still think there's a lot of what's next. Yeah, and I and I keep thinking about so what's what's next. I think the the markets that um, that will keep advancing are mobility, transportation, agricultural, healthcare. Those are the markets that I'm you know seeing a lot of excitement. So the other thing that's happened, sort of like the way for startups to get noticed in the world has really changed. I mean, have you have you seen like what's the most effective tactic nowadays? Because there's there's so much noise out there. How do you get heard above the noise? You know what, believe it or not, there's some real old fashioned techniques that is tried and true that don't go away. So first one, I, the one I think is most important and it's been the hardest to do the last couple of years is literally the tangible, you know, uh, pop up or meet and greet, taking the product on a roadshow or greening it in the case of one of my clients, which is a crime fighting robot. They actually have actually have a pod that travels around the US and goes on tour, continuously on tour. And nice. so you're literally taking the rock star robots on tour, uh, but being able to have, uh, you know, a high performance motorcycle needs to have a crowd, right? Mm -hmm. um, and certain products like the, you know, seeing is believing, believing really matters. I think the other is, is, is knowledge and not just, you know, there's, a, we live in a world of, in marketing where we constantly want to just show all the things that it does. And it's like, I mean, well, you know, that's great, but show me the, the why. Um, I was really disappointed to find out the beta stores. I don't know if all of them are gone or just the one within my area. Yeah, the Centennial Row one is closed up. 
I know. Yeah, I'm like, but I love going there, looking at this products and going, wow, this is really cool because, you know, I didn't know this was out. So early, you know, previews of, of products. But I, I think the other um, the other component, you know, that is, is conversations like this. We are going back to conferences. People yep. are thirsty for information. So, you know, there are I, have, I think I'm signed up for five conferences this next year to either attend or speak so that the in-person engagement is, you know, is happening again, which is great. Um, but I think companies, when it comes to, you know, I always got the lemonade stand. You go to your website and that's one component of your lemonade stand. Testimonials from people, personas that are in YouTube, that are in a podcast. Um, it's a busy, noisy world to get, you know, to get, you know, your, 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 your brand and your product elevated. But I think it's really, it comes around being authoritative and being the mm -hmm. expert. So if I, any company that I work with, I like to, not just necessarily the founders, but are there other authorities within the company? So Monarch Tractor is an example, is an amazing company. One of the founders came, you know, from Tesla and created the, the, the Gigafactory. One of the, 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 the other founder of the company, he has been in the automotive industry space for, for several decades. The third one is a, is a fifth generation winemaker, legacy Mondavi family, you know, winemaker wow. turned chief, I love this title, chief farming officer. The, the <laughs> CFO is no longer the CFO. A new kind of CFO. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so to me, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, you've been in the industry, so you know that you, that Silicon Valley is a land of opportunity. People mm -hmm. came here for agriculture and, and, and for promise and opportunity. One of the best kept Silicon Valley stories I just love is the James Lick story, the Lick Observatory in the top of uh, San Jose and, and Mount Hamilton Road. And um, any of the, the audience can go look this up. But I just love the passion of, of wanting to have a vista and having be able to gaze and look at the stars when there was no city lights and it was agriculture and farming and do all this lens from France all the way across the ocean up a very steep hill only to put it in a place and find that it's cracked. Oh no, I know. Uh, and to I... start again. And I'm going, that's the perseverance. That is the, 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 the epitome and the um, the passion that we know from tech innovators and entrepreneurs. It was no different now than it was back when James Lick said, hey, I got a few dollars in my pocket. I'm actually going to be super eccentric and I'm going to put a, a massive telescope on top of this mountain. I mean, people- Which is amazing. I, everyone has, everyone who ever comes here has to visit it because it is the most amazing site. I mean, it's over a hundred years old. It's a hundred something years old and it's just, it's just phenomenal. Well, and a couple of years ago, it was at a ring of fire around it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a friend from college who was posting pictures. He was on a mission to data collect and, and archive as much as they could because there's so much history that is preserved up there, but it's not, it was in paper form. Yeah. You know, it, it, with, with, with scientists and, and, and dignitaries from around the world have visited and all this, all this content was in there. Yeah, and to me, that's just kind of a magical component is I always tell people 
that we're so focused on looking at our phone and we're so focused of looking down if you just look up every once in a while you're going to see something different we have the opportunity as individuals to see the world with a different lens look at things different look like a photographer look in you know for morning light work for afternoon look for evening light and i think that's one of the things about technology is when i adopt something i have to look at it a few times i have to look at it as a different lens. i personally i don't need a roomba i and i, I yeah I me neither and I, <laughs> and I don't really want alexa in you know in my living room and listening it, in on us <laughs> right and and so but i really do like some of the advancements they made in appliances mm-hmm. and doing smart low energy efficient appliances solar you know appliances um the the millennials and zoomers they don't really you know cook uh because they have this you know luxe supply chain (laughs) that they've created (laughs) but that's going to change and i think that that the 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 kitchen i mean my grandmother my goodness would never think that people would gather in the kitchen and eat in the kitchen like what is this open concept about why would you do that everything was (laughs) compartmentalized right but you think Mm -hmm. about uh that was one of the things that ces was great was the appliance section is seeing you know what was going coming into the house of the future and so the house of the future we know this for a while it's an iot smart house and mm-hmm. and the internet of things was also an acronym that nobody read understood i mean i remember 20 years ago having an internet things um discussion and someone described to me nest and i thought well that's the goofiest thing like why would i what, what do we need this right yeah. and yeah. we all saw what happened there um so i missed that one but <laughs> but i think that's one of the 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 um opportunities that we have as individuals, we can also influence. We can say no, you know. We can say no. I don't want this type of. This is invasive, or this isn't, uh, you know, violates my personal values, or um, you know, in, in when it comes to ethics and, and technology. But I like to think that the younger generation, those kids that actually have grown up, even in the pandemic, being in the Zoom world and going to class or Zoom school, that they're going to look back at at the you know their childhood and, and the advancements that they will that, you know that they experience that allow them to continue to learn and hopefully thrive and that's going to be the generation that's going to you know do what the gamer and de- develop game gamer and then eventually game developer community did hopefully those kids are going to be the ones who are to say oh well you know we can use um you know our knowledge and our understanding of uh, being you know disconnected is 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 you know and connected at the same time it will be interesting to see what that generation does because i think the yeah. stem and, and, and we and you mentioned it briefly but stem education is just something i'm just so I, I, when i was growing up we had stem education we just didn't call stem education it was just given then we started taking defragging and taking things out of the curriculum including music right it was like everything was optional and and unless you went to a a private school or for a very well-funded school not all kids had the same access and so i think what's one of the things that is has happened and and where the the digital classroom has become important is the accessibilities i mean teachers i i mean have a really tough job but i'm excited when i see kids 
and take on challenges and they're doing like basic things like block coding when they're like five years old and mm -hmm. and you have kids that have different learning abilities you have autistic kids working with kids who don't you know are mainstream and you put them together and they could do some amazing things and i've gone through robotics um boot camps and workshops and seen you know the kids there's no gender-based science or math which is exciting because when i was a kid i was told that i had i i went to the boys math i didn't know if there was a gender but i took the harder well, I, I, I was in shop and you know <laughs> my girlfriend was in home ec right that, those yeah. are the differentiators yeah <laughs> and so i took the the boys math apparently because i you know i liked math and sciences and and so I, I took the hard stuff and I wasn't supposed to want to take the hard stuff. And I think that gap is closing, you know, 28% of, of women in STEM related jobs. I, I, I don't have a STEM related degree. I have a journalism, you know, in, in, in economics degree, um, I had to do some form of math and science, but I work with some amazing people who are really schooled and, and, and educated and it's always exciting for me the things that, that I learn you know from their DNA but I think we really need to you know look to the future and and support any you know I don't, I don't public schools private nonprofit wherever we can um, you know and, and ensure that 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 continuous cycle of innovation and, and nurturing is happening absolutely absolutely well i'm thinking i'm sorry i'm we've we're running out of time we don't have time to do think like a futurist so I, we're gonna I, to... ice cream melted <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to have another show this has been fascinating i, I love, love talking to you we should we should definitely do this again we'll have another episode yeah but, and, we're, uh, and, we're, and we're neighbors yes exactly maybe we'll do it in person who knows <laughs> it's entirely possible i'll bring my i'll bring my berkeley pendant <laughs> I love it. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? It'll eat a couple of ways. Uh, Donna Laughlin, and that's L-O-U-G-H-L-I-N on LinkedIn, one of my favorite places to camp out. Before It Happened is my podcast, so the Before It Happened show on Instagram and all the major platforms. And you can also just go to lmgpr.com for the tech agency. I love it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subscribe right now as soon as we get off the phone. Thank you so Wonderful. much. It was great talking with you. Okay, thank you so Talk much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.